Welcome Northern Hills Church. How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? It's good to be with you this morning. We are actually ready to open up a new series as uh, Solon's already highlighted. And this series is an exciting one for us because we're going to be diving in. Uh, I want to welcome all of you that are here in person first off and foremost. And welcome those of you that are, of course, joining us online. I'm Brandon. I'm our Connections Pastor. And I teach from time to time around here as well. And so it's great to be with you and spend time with you this Sunday morning. Uh, to start us off, I want to share about the south side of our house which is actually the entrance side of our house, okay? We get birds on a yearly basis to the entrance part of our home. Now, again, they end up in different places from year to year. Sometimes it's been a bit of a nuisance, uh, but it's just part of the gig. It's been also cool to see like how God's just brought these birds year to year and, and how they build nests, and it's just any given place, maybe in the tree, maybe at our doorway. Um, I thought wreaths were just a thing that you put on doorways during Christmas. And then I got married, and I was introduced to Hobby Lobby. Uh, yeah, we, we love you, Hobby Lobby. The Freitas love you. Anyway, um, uh, there's, there's basically these seasonal wreaths that I got introduced to. And so uh, inevitably, we will put a seasonal wreath on the doorway. And uh, there was a couple years ago, three years ago maybe, where there was this spring wreath and the, the birds had built a nest in this spring wreath that I'm telling you, I, I want to say it was the size of a, a, a basketball, maybe a, maybe a smaller than regulation size basketball, but this thing was huge. It was big. And I remember the birds just working like crazy in this thing. Now, specifically, the mother bird was uh, putting all the work in, right? She seems to be the one that had built the nest. She obviously laid the eggs, and then in laying the eggs, it was one of those deals that she was very protective of what those eggs looked like and how, how, how peaceful they needed to stay. We were very delicate opening the front door during that season. We would take pictures with our phones, but occasionally we would take those pictures because this mother bird was also on high protection mode of her babies, right? And so it was sort of just this fascinating moment. <laughs> now, my family would attest to, I'm the guy that like am not an animal lover whatsoever. I, I grew up in apartments, and so that's a little bit of my excuse. We never had pets. We never had animal life of any kind. So you can take the boy out of the apartment, but you can't really take the apartment out of the boy is sort of how it, we live in our household. But this was a, still a fascinating uh, time for me because of the way these babies were protected. Now, there have been seasons in our home life where there would bring interruption to that nest being able to exist. It did that spring, but we've had different projects around our house. Our neighbors have had projects where we, we painted the house or there was construction going on around us, and that would scare off these birds on a regular basis. There would have been years where there's a new dog in the neighborhood, um, uh, and so that, that can be, uh, again, where these birds would want to leave and not want to fly away, where they would basically be like, wait a minute, you're in my territory. This isn't what I had planned. Get that dog out of here. But this specific year, there were none of those distractions. And it seemed like there was this moment to me that this mother bird, at some point when her babies were ready to leave the nest, said it's time. And it was amazing to me to see these baby birds come out of the nest. And it was also like the mom was saying, you can fly. You're ready to go forward. And off the, off the nest, those baby birds would go, and, and they would just figure out a way to get those wings to work. They started flapping like mad. They flew off into the sky. And it's as if they were saying, hey, this is awesome. This is what I was created to do. I'm glad that we didn't stay in the comfort 
and the safety of the nest. And to me, this is a picture of what our life in Christ looks like. The nest being just the good thing, the safe place, the comfortable place to be. And even feeling like we have this protection by God or maybe just some other people in our life that are, are looking out for us like that mother bird was. I'm telling you, we, I was scared to take pictures in the wrong way at that time because I'm like, this, this bird's going to peck my eyes out. This is going to be like a movie of the birds where it's coming and attacking me. But we'll feel that sense of safety, protection, and we won't leave the nest. We'll see the big dog maybe that's in our way or we're, we're not sure if we can fly or not. But staying in the nest, staying in that safety and that comfort, that familiarity, that isn't what God points us towards. His heart for us, the calling of our faith pushes us out and pushes us out into the world to do battle with it, to trust him more with it. To put our faith in Jesus moving in and through our lives. See, we're excited about this series because we're going to be able to look at some teachings of Jesus. And these aren't teachings that necessarily we've always taught on. Um, you've been in a lot of church services where you could hear a uh, teaching from Jesus and be like, yeah, I've heard 200 different messages on a specific teaching. See, some of Jesus' words were also uncomfortable. Some of Jesus' words were hard to understand. Some of them were controversial. But Jesus was sharing, and all that he was sharing with his listeners at the time and now the readers, what these words were and what they are in our lives are very rich. They are gems for us to hold on to, and that's where we're going to spend time over the next few weeks. Today's jewel, it comes from the book of John, and this is a teaching from Jesus that's uncomfortable. Because he's sharing the night before he would leave his disciples and fulfill his mission on the cross. He's sharing with his disciples who are very confused and they're fearful and they're uncomfortable with what he's saying and what he has to hear. Because what he's telling them is that when he dies, he will live again. He will live again and he, the Father and the Holy Spirit are going to come and be with us, dwell with us, spend time with us. And, and no matter where we are in our life, they are going to be right in the thick of things. And Jesus is asking, he's asked, excuse me, by one of his disciples this question. And, and he, he intends to, to be himself with this and, and not of the world. And Jesus is trying to comfort his disciple. And, and the truth can be uncomfortable. And so here's how Jesus replies to the question. He says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. And that's in John chapter 14, verse 23 through 24. Jesus says, catch this. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. And that's not an option to consider. That's a truth to obey. As much as I want to take Jesus and be able to soften him up a little bit with that teaching, that can't be a complete absolute there's some of your teachings, Jesus. You know I love you even when I don't obey those teachings. I can't reword what Jesus is saying here. And it makes me uncomfortable. Usually comfort's a good thing. I think we strive for comfort and not for bad reasons. We want to provide a safe environment for our family. 
We like to kick back when we come home from a hard day of work, hard day of work, and just sit on the couch and watch some Obi Wan Kenobi on Disney Plus. I mean, come on. I mean, we want to be able to be financially secure and, and take care of the, the people that we love and care for. We like hanging out in the backyard, having an adult beverage, being on a hammock, and just relaxing and taking in all that God's created, right? We want order in our lives, not chaos. We want things to go smooth and that the details just add up. That's, that provides comfort for us. Those things are comfortable. Sure they are. And none of those are deadly things in of themselves, but trouble arises. Trouble arises when that desire for safety, when that desire for security in the comfort, when that becomes a dominant theme in our lives and we just wanna stay in the nest. That's all we strive to do because it's safer, it's more comfortable. I'm getting fed the worms and the bugs and all the things that I need to survive. I just want the comfort of the nest. See, it's easy to obey this teaching, Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. I'm obeying that teaching all day. That's a teaching that I can say with it. Yeah, I don't want to be judged, so uh, okay, yeah, I'm not going to judge others. But I have a much harder time obeying this teaching that's just a chapter earlier. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for your trough yourself treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where this is the uncomfortable part verse 21 for where your treasure is there your heart will be also see we make obeying the teachings of jesus conditional that's where we fall into trouble it's called conditional obedience it's an obedience that says, conditional obedience. It's an obedience that says, okay, God, I'm, I'm in as long as you're delivering. I'm obeying as long as you keep showing up. I'll do what you want to do as long as I see the results that I want to see. But, but if you make things uncomfortable, if it's inconvenient, or if you're not doing things quite like I think you should be doing them, at that point, God, I am going to pull back a little bit. You're not going to see my obedience in full flux. I remember a story when I had first come to Christ. It was my sophomore year in high school. I was so on fire for God. I was so in that place of just understanding grace, understanding everything that God had, had given me in this free gift. And I'm just on fire wanting to maximize all of my efforts helping other people. Just on fire for what Jesus was doing in my life. And I was prompted at youth group one night. A youth group that I had been attending and as I as I went this night I just felt a stirring even before I got there but when I got there my eyes went to this new girl that was there and it wasn't because of what you're thinking about like okay you're trying to hit on the new girl that was at youth group all right it wasn't about that this girl seemed distressed she seemed like she didn't quite want to be there but that she was there She's brand new, didn't really get to say hi to anybody, but she's there worshiping with us. She's there listening to the message with us. And I remember even in, in that season of life, the teaching, store up your treasures in heaven. Don't store up your treasures here on earth. Store up your treasures in heaven. And God instructed me to give her what was ever in my wallet. I was supposed to give her what was in my wallet. Now, I'm a junior in high school. There's rarely much in a junior in high school's wallet, right? I was thinking to myself, what difference is this going to make? 
And I felt a little weird and a little crazy, like, okay, God, I'm going to be obedient to that teaching, not storing up my treasures in heaven. I'm storing it up, um, or excuse me, I'm not storing it here on earth. I'm storing it up in heaven. I'm going to be obedient to your call. But this is going to feel weird. It's, uh, okay, I'm just going to do it. I remember going up to her after the youth group. I said, I don't know why I'm supposed to do this, but I'm supposed to give you, it was $6 in my wallet. I'm supposed to give you this $6. God sort of instructed, and she starts crying. She starts crying, and so now I'm, now she's weirding me out. I, I was worried about weirding her out. I'm like, oh, what did I do here? Lord, did I hear you right? Did I, you know, I'm, I'm just panicked in this moment a little bit. And she starts sharing with me how she had been driving all around Broomfield trying to find a church to plant at. She just knew she was supposed to go to church that evening, be part of a youth group, be part of whatever kind of service was going on that Thursday night. And so she found herself that she had to stop at our church. But here's the catch. She lived on the whole other side of Broomfield, and she was out of gas. She was running out of gas, so she had no clue how she was going to be able to get home. That $6 was going to <laughs> remember when $6 we could pay for gas and like fill up a tank? I mean, right? That was a long time ago. But that blessed her in such a way that she was going to be able to get home. And God provided her through that service and just her time there, something rich and deep. God provided me something rich and deep in that moment. Fast forward two years. Now I'm in college making the big money, right? We were actually at a youth service. I was, this time I was a volunteer at the youth thing. And it was an event. It was a, actually a conference that was in, in town. And so we go to downtown Denver. It was an evangelism um, uh, training conference. We're downtown sharing our faith with individuals. I'm the leader. So my way is paid for. I have my lodging taken care of. I have um, all of my meals taken care of because they paid for the leaders to go. But I remember getting the same prompt that God had given me. Two, two years earlier. And he's like, you know what, we're interacting with this person. I don't even believe this person was homeless that we were talking to. It just in the interaction, I felt like, no, I'm supposed to be obedient. My treasures are in heaven. They're not found here on earth. Give him whatever in your wallet. I'm supposed to be obedient to that. Okay, I look in my wallet, there's $200. I had $200 in my wallet because I was a leader. I was looking to have extra money in preparation to hand some cash to a kid or do whatever I needed to. Again, lodging's covered, food's covered. And I wasn't obedient to God. I didn't listen to him. I had $6 obedience, but I didn't have $200 obedience. It was conditional. I'll do it as long as it doesn't cost me too much. And I still wonder to this day, oh, what, what did the Lord have for that individual if I had been faithful to make a difference in his life? What blessing may have I missed in that moment from not just being obedient in that moment? My question to us, friends, church, do you have $6 obedience? The harder question is, do you have $200 obedience? Where is the area in your life that you're like, yes, I love you, Jesus. I am willing to obey your teaching. And then where's the other area where, mm, I don't love you. I'm not willing to obey that teaching. And we call it in our household, it's sort of selective listening in, in our household. I have a 14-year-old and I have an 11-year-old now. And as they're entering into those teen years, we're experiencing more and more of that selective listening because they're at that age now where, hey, Camden, can you go get the trash upstairs? Hey, Elodie, would you mind uh, helping and giving a hand with the groceries? And it's like, it's like dead silence, right? Hello? Hello, anyone? 
And then you whisper, hey, let's get some ice cream. And they come flocking down, right? Like there's a selective listening. But here's what they're hearing, and it has to do so much with the teachings of Jesus. I'll obey the commands that I'm wanting to hear. I'll obey the teaching as long as I'm comfortable, as long as it doesn't stretch me. And Jesus, in this passage, doesn't give us the option. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. And I would say if you find yourself suffering from conditional obedience, like me, if you find yourself confined to that nest of comfort, I believe we have hope in this scripture. I believe we have hope in all the scriptures. I believe the scriptures are meant to be helpful. Did you capture how Jesus is framing this? Obeying his teaching is the result. It's the result of loving him. So love precedes obedience it's not like jesus is saying okay you you better uh, my love is for you (laughs) if you obey me no see jesus loves us regardless obeying his teaching is the result of loving him and if we were to change up maybe just a few of the words that are found there in verse 23 i think it would read more maybe in the brandon living translation it would say anyone who loves me will have no other result than to obey my teaching. So maybe the better question we ask is, how do you love Jesus then? If love precedes the obedience, what precedes love? And my argument this morning is what precedes love and how we love Jesus is in our faith. Faith precedes love, and that should make us even more uncomfortable than the hard teaching than the hard word, than the hidden gem that God has for us in Jesus saying, obey my teaching. Because what should make us that much more uncomfortable is true faith, faith in Jesus. It's going to assume our faith in grace. Grace. And grace, I think, for many of us is a hard nut to crack. Because the nest that we feel most comfortable in When the going gets tough, when it comes to that hard word in our Christian faith, we like to build our faith around good advice, around good techniques, around good behavior. See, many of us grow up believing in God, and yes, that grace is Jesus dying on the cross. But what we don't understand, what we don't really understand is the depth of that, how it all fits together and what that means for us. And so our faith in God is built around, I will go as far as my comfortable life is willing to take me. I will go as far before it gets too inconvenient for me to go further. And so we want to work for things or we want to earn a place with God. And when we do that, when we're trying to earn and earn and maybe play the comparison game, we start beginning to, well, at least my life, come on. At least I, I haven't gone to prison. You know, at least, at least my marriage hasn't failed. At least my kids are, are for the most part following God. I'm on the good side of things in my life. I obey most of his teachings, and that's not faith in grace. That's faith in self. That's faith in works. The topic of grace is this deep and, and rich and powerful. I, I think of it as, as, as grace being, we, we understand at times the tip of the iceberg when it comes to his grace and the cross. 
But when you take that iceberg and you start going beneath the surface and that widens, there is something in grace that, that is this beautiful, sizable weight. There's this weight to grace that we can't quite capture. There's so much more that God's grace is doing in our lives daily. It's in the book of Romans, the apostle Paul. He's writing a letter to help us understand that grace better. I want to encourage you to take some time to read Romans. We'll be in a little bit this morning. But Romans spells out grace like no other book in the Bible. And the peak of that, the tip of that iceberg is found in Romans chapter 8 when Paul says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's worthy to be celebrated. There's a, that's a powerful truth for us. But I believe that when you dig deeper underneath that iceberg, the statement that, it, that changes our whole paradigm, I, I think drastically, dramatically challenges our theology of how we want to live, I think that's found in Romans 3. And that's when Paul says this, but now apart from the law of righteousness of God has been made known. Now apart from the law the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This is Paul's big statement. And this is the thing that people don't understand because what they understand in being right with God or being on God's good side is that the earth, or, or excuse me, our culture or earth or however you want to frame it is just be good and God will like you. Just do the right things and God will like you. Obey his teachings and God will like you. And lots of world religions will believe that the approach to God is going to just be through obedience, that it's going to be through works. But Paul's clear here. He says, apart from works of the law. So plot this out with me. Plot it out with Paul, Romans 3, 25 through 28. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. To be received by what? Faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because his forbearance, in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires work? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Translation, Jesus paid it all. Translation is the way of being in right standing with God has been revealed to us. And it's in the righteousness of God and, and how that's been manifested in the person of Jesus Christ. That means we have right standing and that means we are accepted by him, being able to be in his presence. That's what righteousness is, manifested in the person of Jesus because God couldn't just sweep sin under the rug. That's not God's character and that's not his makeup. He couldn't just be flippant and say, okay, well, whatever teaching you, you want to obey, just sort of go with what works for your life because that wouldn't maintain his character. He had to have an advocate who paid for everyone, who would justify all for all time, and that person is Jesus. That person is Jesus Christ, that we never have to earn anything, and it's that gift 
that we receive by faith. And it's that faith that shows that we love him. See, grace works without requiring anything on our part. Grace works without requiring anything on our part. So catch this. It's not expensive. It's not cheap even. It's free. Grace is completely free. The balance has been settled and our money is no good. And that may make you uncomfortable because you want to work for it. You want to be able to pay things off. You want to have the power to make it right. There's a lack of comfort in just the way some of us are made to want to be able to do something unto God. And if that makes you uncomfortable, that's the greatest news in the world. It's the greatest news in the world that it makes you uncomfortable because we all need grace. And that's for you and for me because the gospel of Jesus Christ, it announces that Jesus is strong so you can be weak. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus won for you, so you're free to lose. Because Jesus was someone, you're free to be no one. Because Jesus was extraordinary, you can be ordinary. Because Jesus succeeded for you, you're free. You're free to fail, you're free to live. And that's the good news we have. And when we get grace, when we get grace below the iceberg, it's going to change everything. It's going to change everything for you in how you frame what teachings to obey and what teachings not to obey because it's not about that. It's not about even rules or how you want to frame it. It's about following a ruler. And in following that ruler, that is a life changer. That's the hidden gem. So it has to start with faith and grace. So are you catching this? Jesus is saying, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Love precedes the obedience. It's the result. I love Jesus. The the obedience is just the result. And what precedes that love is faith. And that's faith in the grace and what God has done for you and what he's done for me. That's the grip of grace that should grip our our hearts. And that's what's going to help us to obey his teachings and I'll help obey his teachings, even the uncomfortable ones, because it'll be a reframing of how we see that. And catch this too, when we get that, when we understand that level of grace in our lives, (laughs) we wanna leave safety because we know who comforts us along the way. We want to leave the nest so we can fly. It was so funny. I walked in this morning, and my daughter and I walked in. We're, we came in really early, and we see this tree. And there's, it was funny. We are talking about nests and birds, of course, on this Sunday. And all of a sudden, there was this, this ruckus, like literally 50 birds just making a ton of noise. And they're trying to attack something in the tree. What we found out is there was, there was an eagle in the tree. Maybe it was a big hawk. The point being, it was big burden and it was attacking something that was in the nest. My guess is that hawk or that eagle was going after the, the, the eggs. And hear me, friends, I believe the enemy is on attack and he's trying to attack our thought process of how God comes to us with grace and with freedom. And it's what's going to destroy us if we stay in the nest of safety and comfort. 
and lack of obedience in what God has for us because it's his best. And he's gonna come and try to kill and destroy and we see all the scriptures that point to that. And that's why we have to grip on to grace and the true meaning of what it is because it frames and retrains our mind and hearts around everything. If you today are hearing grace for the first time, it's not about works or deeds or things you do and it just makes sense to you this morning. I believe that Christ wants to start the relationship with you today. I believe he's been around and prompting you to get to this point. And I would ask that you would just pray this prayer silently in your heart as I pray it aloud. If that's you today, Jesus, I want to grip onto that grace. I want to cling to that because I've been trying to do this thing my whole life where, Lord, I'm just, I'm trying to live by my rules trying to live by, by the things that, that the world teaches me. And it's not working out, Jesus. I need you. I need you to come in and transform me and change my life, Lord. I trust your work on the cross. I obey the teaching that you have come to save the lost, Lord. That you sent your only son to die for me and all my sin and all my guardian, Lord, that you meet me right where I'm at because you say I'm enough. Jesus, I cling to that. I cling to your work and your strength and your power. And that's what I'm going to have lead me from this point on. Jesus, I accept you into my heart. I accept you into my life. Have your way. If you prayed that prayer, Jesus' teachings promise you that he will never abandon you. He will never forsake you. And that he has a great plan for your life. And let me tell you, grace is a roller coaster, man. Grace is a roller coaster as well because I, there, there are times that just like any good roller coaster that we go on, there, it, can, it can scare you to death sometimes. Really, Lord? You want me to what? Really, Lord? You're, you're, you're doing what? You're going to have me step into what? And it can be scary. But it's also like that roller coaster when you're in the middle of that puppy or three quarters in and it's the ride of your life. The hands that you're waving and the joy that you're experiencing, the laughter that you have. And let me tell you, like any child that doesn't look forward to that roller coaster to go on to, grace is the same thing that brings you back and back and back again. That's what Christ wants us to hold on to, to love him and then to obey his teachings. Would you pray with me as we close this morning? One thing I want to do, I want to celebrate actually a transformation of life. See, we don't get to do this often because we have baptism sometimes first services or second. We don't get to do, we had a baptism first service, all right? And I want to show you AJ here actually on the screen. This guy's life was transformed this morning for Jesus Christ, all right? Because he, in faith and in grace and in obedience, I am following you, Jesus, praise God for AJ. Father, would you help us to think through our $6 obedience and our $200 obedience? Would you help remind us that it's never been about me, that it's always been about the grace of you, Christ, and how you've come for us to save what once was lost. And now we are found and now we are victorious in your strength and your power. Lord, help us to find that one thing we are holding on to that we love more than you and help us to leave the nest so we can fly and so that we can be 
on the great adventure of life. Jesus, we're going to ask that you come in and that you make your way into our hearts, that we would love you through faith and grace, and Lord, that that is everything that frames our obedience. Jesus, thank you for this morning, and we pray these things in your great name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.